calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome everybody to episode four, House of the Dragon spoiler review, brought to you by the Geek Buddies. Hey, and it looks like somebody is feeling better. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Yeah, I just did an hour and a half earlier today, and now I'm back on recording this with you guys. So. Very, very excited. I've also chosen my mic, hint, hint, Shannon McClung. So you can hear me, uh, what I'm saying through my own mic. And so you can, so it doesn't sound like I'm in an, in an echo chamber. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to jump into and have this discussion here for episode four. Uh, this one is called King of the Narrow Sea. I caught up on all the episodes today and then watched King of the Narrow Sea. Um, I'll tell you this, you know, I'm not like regular people. I cannot watch much when I'm sick. I actually can't. I can't focus. I can't dive into stuff i get because i get real viscerally interested in everything i watch so it exhausts me to watch new stuff so i had to wait till i felt better and this was a lot of fun watching these three episodes back to back we are only reviewing king of the narrow sea here on this episode you guys did a fantastic job giving your thoughts on the most recent geek buddies episode on everything going on at house of dragon so i'm very excited to jump into this with you guys and hear y'all's thoughts about it let's introduce ourselves I'm the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. Michael? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And Shannon McClung, uh, you know your way around a brothel. How are you? How are things on your side of things? You know, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Throwing that at me and not at the guy who just came back from Burning Man. Oh, fair point. <laughs> uh, this is Shannon McClung, and my mic has been selected this whole time. I don't know why it sounds like I'm in a tin drum. Yeah, why does it sound like that, Mike? Can you? Am I wrong on this? Does it sound like that too? That sounds like a tin drum to me, Johnny. Okay, all right. Well, let's see. Hopefully, Shannon can figure it out by the end of the episode. But let's uh, jump into this thing. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna also uh, say real quick uh, thank you to Carbonell who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies. They are absolutely fantastic people. Go to CarbonHealth.com. Get checked out. A number of people from CarbonHealth.com reached out to me to check in on me to see if I needed anything, to see if they could offer their services there in northern San Diego, offered me virtual care, offered me in-person care, any of the COVID testing I needed. They were incredible. To shout out to Dom and the crew over there at Carbon Health for being available to me if I needed it because these last two weeks were incredibly rough. And certainly it was nice to know that people like Carbon Health in my back pocket and speaking of my back pocket and your back pocket you guys should download the app for carbon health so you can you, you can have an app or a doc in your pocket there for whenever you have any healthcare questions an app in your crack questions. yeah slapping the an app in the slap that's where anyway you can have it there go to carbonhealth.com they take care of you. 100 plus locations all over the country 80 plus locations in california alone um so yeah and certainly someone got brought a tea uh, at the end of this episode, that was a really interesting moment. Uh, that's something we don't recommend you do there through CarbonHealth.com for sure. But let's 
jump into this episode. Michael, overall thoughts here. A lot happened in the first three episodes of House of the Dragon. Uh, we got uh, we were done. We're done with the crab prince there. Uh, uh, a cut in half by Damon. Now we go into everything that happens in this episode. A lot of sexual intrigue, political intrigue. People losing their jobs. People lying about certain nights in order to keep their positions. A lot of stuff happened in here. And we saw some more shades of Game of Thrones with some references in certain kingdoms, certain alliances, and also certain people being spies out there who are having spies out there who are hands of the king. So, Michael, what did you think about this fourth episode here in House of the Dragon? Tell you, man, things things in Westeros heat up fast. That's what I think. Uh, no, it's it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, I do think it's just it's amazing how in one episode relationships can change so drastically. Yeah, like they yeah. are really just going at warp speed, but it feels good. Like it doesn't. It's not a. That's not a complaint. <clears throat> um, it really just goes from you know to go from Damon is on the outs to Damon is on the ends mm-hmm. to Damon is really in. He's out. I mean, it's just like yeah. you know, like whether it be Damon's relationship with Vis- uh, with Viserys or Allison's relationship, like it's just there's just so much going on. It's happening so fast, and I just find it gripping. And uh, this definitely was a hot and heavy episode of uh, House of Dragons. It was the Skinamax version of uh, of House of Dragons this week, um, and you know, Targaryens hooking up with each other. We've all been there. We've done that. Shouldn't surprise anybody. Nothing, <laughs> wow, okay. Nothing, nothing crazy to see here. Like <laughs> Targaryen's gonna Targaryen. It's how it rolls. But uh no, it's been it was yeah. it was a blast. Uh really just loving all the intrigue. Uh they've done such a great job in four episodes for all of us to go from I don't know if I care about Westeros at all to holy shit, who's going to sit on the throne? What's going to happen? Who's going to do this? Like they've just done a really, really good job of uh, everyone I know getting super, super gripped into this. Yeah, it's incredible, Shannon. I mean, clearly some incest, some upstairs, downstairs type situation going on here. Uh, And as I and as Michael pointed out really well, relationships changing Alicent and Rhaenyra on the outs now on the ins so much so that Alicent. In her position as the queen, where she was complaining that she has no friends, certainly has no power, no no issue rather, uh, pushing her power when she's trying to counsel Rhaenyra later on in the episode about her being sullied and what have you. But then Rhaenyra on one side starting out hating hating the marriage ritual, hating that she's going to be used as a political pawn, then realizing, well, if I'm going to be used, I'm going to get something out of this thing and getting Otto Hightower removed as Hand of the King, without thinking that removing her father is going to engender some kind of enmity between uh, Alicent and Rhaenyra, or maybe she does think about it and doesn't care. As she says when she's down there watching the dumb show, hanging around with the lesser thans, and going into the sexual orgy stuff, it doesn't matter what the commoners think. Things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. So we're cert- we certainly saw some interesting windows into the characters of all these people in this episode what did you think about this episode man well well, i mean the plot points are kind of you know moving at warp speed but also because in between each episode a significant amount of time is passing right so when you see Renera and allison start to sort of make amends it's like okay well this has been years yeah right four or five years yeah yeah. Yeah. so i mean so that's why it doesn't feel that's why it doesn't feel unearned is because we're going through and saying like this much time has passed um as you as as you all know as our audience knows i can get a little uncomfortable with uh scenes of a more carnal nature sure sure so the 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 moment where they go into the brothel and I'm like, well, that's a weird place to take your niece um, and to then see how how it concludes. I'm like, oh, uh, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. So um, oh, the only yeah. the only thing that is is was kind of weird about that for me, because even in the first episode, you do sense a connection mm-hmm. between Damon right, and Rhaenyra. Yeah, yeah, certainly. With the necklace. Yeah. And, and 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 even in that first episode, it's like, are they, is there more here than an uncle-niece relationship? And now we find out that it is because um, she seemed to be a, a kind of uh, willing participant. And the reason it didn't uh, uh, conclude with him is because he is, uh, he's impotent. I mean, and he, he couldn't, he couldn't uh, deliver. So, I mean, the whole thing is like, oh my gosh, like we love Rhaenyra, but she, 
is willingly like you know hooking up with their uncle here like i don't know what to think about this but as vogel said it's very very gripping i mean it it's uh uh and as you stated john like we're now seeing her coming into her power a little bit more i mean we've seen the power she wields with the dragon when she went back and retrieved that egg yeah now we see that she's wielding more than just a a power of a physical nature now she's really using the kind of that the the power of of manipulation a little bit yeah be like all right if this is if this is the hand i've been dealt i'm going to play it as best i can and it's it's just interesting again to see how those relationships how quickly they change as as vogel said i mean now that we see Damon and Viserys at the beginning, at least back on good terms, and then boom, one eighty, like he's out again. Right. Um, it's it's just it, it is it is very very gripping television. I absolutely agree with that. I think both of you are absolutely right, but calling it gripping for sure. Let's let's move on. Uh, well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to jump into the storyline here with Rhaenyra. We we'll right back uh, right after this. I got grief when I didn't do it. <laughs> oh, all right. You don't have to. I'll, I'll do them quick so that they, I know where the markers are. And we do that, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you watching, maybe for the first time, for our audio listeners. We like to have these breaks and add the ads there for those, for the audio listeners. But, Mike, let's jump into Rhaenyra. I mean, we saw. Listen, I hold have on, Hold I... on, hold on. Back up. Okay. okay. You leave enough time for Shannon to do his songs. Oh, all right, fine, fine. If it's the same theme over and over again, I don't understand the point. But all right, I fine. mean, for Game of Thrones, I don't know what else he's going to do, but I'm curious to find out. I'm sure the the composer for Game of Thrones is like, I've got other cues you can try, you know. Anyway, let's move on to Rhaenyra Targaryen. Let's deal with her journey through this episode. As I said, at the beginning here, we see her. Uh, her, her apparently, we find out her dad has and, and the queen have gone to a lot of trouble to set up this journey, this two-month journey or tour for all these men who have been, uh, who we found out last episode, have been trying to set up marriages uh, with Rhaenyra for her to hear out and pick out. So he's like, I'll meet you halfway. You want to pick out who you want? Fine. I will be okay with that. You're going to go on this tour and meet all these people. Then you're going to decide who you're going to marry. Well, that's not enough for her. She cuts it short, heads back to the court, and we see her, Damon is there, comes in with the crown. We see her react to Damon. Then we see her see, find that uh, that map. Uh, and we see her having her, her conversations with Alicent, a little bit of that situation there. We see that uh, a bridge getting rebuilt between them, which is really sweet to see, saying that they miss each other. She says she misses Alicent. That's really sweet. Then we get this map. She goes with Damon, goes all over the city. I liken it to Jasmine uh, sneaking out in Aladdin, hanging out in the city. But... We also see, in my opinion, we see a lot of her privilege, her arrogance, her conceitedness at the level that she's at with the way she speaks about the people down there. The fact that she's booing about certain, the fact that she's saying it doesn't matter what the commoners think, and then allows herself to be, not allows her, but goes on this situation with Damon, goes into this brothel, is experimenting. And look, teenagers, young people, 20-year-olds are going to experiment, going to explore stuff sexually, all that. That's just a natural thing. I don't care where you're at. Um, but gets into this situation, gets caught up in the situation with Damon, and is the one who actually wants to go through with it. Damon is the one that stops it. And then later, when she's confronted by it, she lies about it and says that it was actually Damon who wanted to do it, not her. She beds Sir Kristen instead, which uh, th- that becomes a weird, awkward kind of Austin Powers situation that got weird, didn't it, Mama? And then, boom, at the end, we see her negotiate the situation with her father, as I said, to remove Otto Hightower and her father sends a tea in to essentially abortion whatever baby just in case she might have been lying about sleeping with Damon. So what are your thoughts on the story arc here for Rhaenyra in this episode? Well, I think what's interesting about Rhaenyra um, that I, I'm thinking through it and I'm not 100%. Like, I think that every woman in Game of Thrones, like, like Game of Thrones, Westeros in general, yeah. is a medieval society and it sucks to be a woman. Yeah, totally. And what the way the way that Game of Thrones kind of handled it was most of the women in Game of Thrones, um, even Daenerys to a degree at the beginning of Game of Thrones, all very strong, powerful women, but worked within the system to get where they got, had a level of power that they were able to find within the system of how this sort of patriarchal society worked. Yeah. What's interesting about Rhaenyra is she's straight up like is against it. 
And she gives voice to things that were sort of spoken in, well, this is just the way it is in Game of Thrones. And she's just like, this shouldn't be the way it is. Like, if all the guys can go into a brothel and do whatever they want, why can't I? If a guy can do this, why can't I? And her and Damon have that really great speech where he's like, look, get married and then you do whatever you want. And she's like, yeah, if you're a man. So I think like she's a really interesting character because she is allowed to sort of give voice and really butt up against things in a way that even Daenerys didn't fully do in Game of Thrones, I I feel like. Uh, And so I think that really makes her stand out. And it's really interesting to see where she goes. And kind of to your point, John, it does also give her a level of privilege. Like, there is a lot of stuff going on. Like, the stuff that Viserys is saying about her responsibility to the Targaryen family, to the House of the Dragon, to try and, like, lock down political alliances and everything else. Like, there's a lot of things that, given the way of the world and how it works, she has these responsibilities that she is uninterested in. So it is interesting to see, in the same way that we, Shannon and I talked about last week, how Viserys is just a really interesting character because yeah. he's not quite all good, he's not quite all bad, they're just really playing this thing. Rhaenyra, I'm not, you know, I, everything she says about being a woman in this society, obviously 100% true. But when they do show her kind of being a little bit privileged when she's out amongst the people of King's Landing and stuff like I, it, I think that she is on this journey of growing into understanding what it actually really means to be a ruler. Because yeah. a lot of the things that she was saying and her dismissal of the people, look, she was booing them because they were saying that she was shitty. Like they were <laughs> looking true. at people. So like, fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would boo too. But <laughs> what Damon was kind of saying to her as far as, look, this is how they feel and that's important. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Who cares what they think? Like, that's not a good a sign of a good ruler. So right. I'm really interested to see where they're taking her character because, look, out of Damon, Rhaenyra, or her little brother, like, I'm on I'm on Team Rhaenyra. Like, I like I, I oh, want to yeah. see her. Like, we're like we're all, but like, I don't think that she's quite there yet. And I think yeah. the interesting journey of seeing what she learns and how she grows into being the person that she's gonna be. Even where we end up at the end of the episode, where she's like, look, I'll marry the dude. I get it. I accept it. But here's what you need to do. That's stepping into, okay, now you're starting to play the Game of Thrones a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, really, really interesting. I also really liked, I know we're just talking about Rhaenyra, but I really liked how this episode went out of its way to contrast Rhaenyra's existence and Alicent's existence. Mm Mm-hmm. That there was a lot of like, here's where Rhaenyra's at, you know, like, at, like, cause she says that thing to Allison, and she's like, oh, must be a fate worse than death to just be trapped in a building and have to like pop out airs, which is really what Allison's life is right now. Yeah. So, you know, you have that moment. And then from that point forward, we sort of track Allison, you know, dealing with the baby, like, uh, giving Viserys his bath, like, doing all the things that she does, like, laying there and having the worst sex ever meanwhile Rhaenyra is like running around King's Landing with Damon having a blast doing all this stuff and then going to this super cool orgy dome like it was great and then uh coming back and having her way with the night like so it was really interesting the way they just contrasted these two women sort of existing in this uh society yeah and you know what I found too which I I really enjoyed was that you you felt some sympathy for Allison I think for the Mm -hmm. first time in the situation, not that, you know, I, I felt so with the when she was essentially being shoved into Viserys' uh, bedchamber by her dad. But certainly here you felt that maybe she was, she, I mean, the fact that she didn't tell Rhaenyra that she might be a candidate to marry her father, I think was a yeah. bit of a betrayal. So then, but you see, as Shannon pointed out, years have passed. So they've got this relationship that they're navigating and negotiating. Uh, and now we're going to see what the decisions that uh, Rhaenyra just did, how that's going to affect their relationship. And for those of you who read the book, you know what happens, but we're going to see how that's going to affect their relationship going forward and her kids' relationship with Rhaenyra. So, uh, uh, Shannon, what did you think about how Rhaenyra was handled, the, the arc of her character? Here she's growing. She's a young woman coming into her power, coming into her strength, experiencing these things, but also maybe not having a touch with the common folk, so... I mean, I love, I love the opening. I love the, you know, the line of suitors oh, yes. and and watching Renera's um, uh, reaction to all of them. First, you got the old guy, where when she's oh, just wow. like, he, he he remembers what my great grandmother looked like. Like, no, I'm not gonna marry him. And then the kid from the was it the Blackwoods? How yeah, Blackwood with one of the best scenes. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> this poor child who is just, you know, reciting these lines that, you know, one of his, it, probably his father gave him. And then you see everything. Like, she even laughs at the moment that the, the other guy kind of takes the piss out of him. Like, she laughs. And it's just kind of like, okay, you're a little shitty, too. Okay, you're nobody's perfect in this world. But then as, you know, they're walking away, you see this kid disembowel that dude. It's I like, mean... Awesome. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, But yeah, I mean, as as Vogel said, I mean, this is a character who, you know, when you think of like how Daenerys was, Daenerys, especially at the beginning, was constantly on her heels. Rhaenyra is someone who has grown up in privilege. And even though it did seem like she was never going to be called upon, like she was never anyone's first choice, which she was painfully aware of, now that she is the first choice for a hot second and then it's like it's the, it's the thing that she didn't want she got it and now they want it and that but now she wants it but they're trying to take it away from her like yeah. it's such it's such interesting levels uh for uh uh was it millie millie alcock millie yes. alcock to play yeah the place near yeah she's 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 dynamite and then when you see her that sort of that seduction of sir Kristen this this Ooh. playfulness yeah yeah man <laughs> apparently <laughs> They're really good the first time they have sex. Let me tell you something. That's, I don't. I don't know. That's uh, that's a little bit of license that people are taking. Uh, you know, or else you learn something from watching those people in the brothel house because uh, they. Well, and also, yeah. he 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 is celibate. I thought. I thought the white cloaks yeah. had to take a vow of celibacy. So his they his. Did. His first, he broke the rules. No, no, no. Thank you. I got it. I'm getting, I'm getting Uh someplace. You just, you just hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying first, first trip out the gate to put in a performance like that. My goodness. That's pretty good. The fellas of Dorne, apparently. (laughs) That's what I'm getting at. They're both were really good for their first time. Like that never happens, ladies. But you know, it's a TV show, so you let it go. So interesting things to throw in here that uh, from the featurette afterwards, Miguel Sapochnik. In talking about um, Damon's impetus said, impotence, said ultimately his impotence in the scene is a reflection of the fact that he knows deep down that what he's doing isn't right. And on the other side, Claire Kilner, who directed the episode, her idea is that um, Rhaenyra being into what's going on is what throws a curveball to Damon. And she, quote, she doesn't just get shocked, she gets excited by it. And when that happens, he has nothing to hold over her. And he basically can't handle not being in charge or in control. So I find that to be a really fascinating approach to that moment to explain his impetus in that impotence in that moment. Cause initially you think, Oh, he's just toying with her is teasing with her. No, then you see the impotence and it could be, I like that's two different approaches to how you can express that. I, look, I, I'm just really enjoying that. We're getting a lot of time with Amelia Alcock and her performance here because she is really bring, doing a lot of the foundational work that I forget the name of the other actress that's going to come in and replace her as the older actress that, uh, that is, we're going to have in our minds about her. So it's shout half, out to her. What's that? It's half and half, right? Like we have one more yes. episode yes. with her as Rhaenyra and Allison, and then we're making a big jump. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I love both Allison and Rhaenyra being recast with older actresses as we make the jump. So it's great to see that we're getting a lot of time with both of these actresses to lay the groundwork for these characters that we're going to get down the road. And certainly Millie Alcock's journey here. And I like it. And I'm not complaining that she it can be privileged or she can be arrogant. I'm saying it's an interesting element. It's a nice to see, not just good and bad. It's good to see a little bit of the gray and the oh, yeah. uh, confusing and contradictory uh, things that happen with every human being. So it's I think, nice no, to, to your, explore that. Yeah. To your point, I think that's what I'm really enjoying. It's not yeah. not just with Rhaenyra, but like we said this about Damon. It's what, mm-hmm. it's what we were saying last week, uh, Shannon and I, about Viserys. Like all of these characters are actually genuinely fascinating characters. Yes. Yeah. And they do things that make you like them and they do things that turn you off and they do things that you wish they wouldn't. You do like Rhaenyra yeah. is by no means just this perfect female character who was meant to be queen and we love and everything she does is perfect like she definitely has things to learn damon on the other hand is like set up in episode one you're like okay well you're the mustache twirling villain but then watching his wild emotional swings depending on what the moment is like you're just never quite sure what his game is like I don't think any of us are actually sure if he was just going to have sex with Rhaenyra because he wants to solidify his position to get on the throne or if he's just kind of into her. Like, 
Right. Remains to be seen. Like, yeah. and so I think with all of these characters, with maybe the exception of Otto, because fuck you, Otto, you shady. <laughs> but like, with the exception of him, like everyone is pretty. Uh, everyone is pretty. Um, gray to your point and i think yeah. that that's what's really interesting and fun to watch because you're never sure. quite sure where people are going to go all right let's take a quick break we'll be right back with more of our house of the dragon review right after this yeah let's swing back over to Otto uh, uh here uh, shannon Otto and and viserys i mean this is an, another interesting relationship well hell let's throw damon in the mix let's, throw, let's just look at all three of these characters and their arcs here in the show because clearly they're circling around each other you know damon shows up with that crown of bone on his head and Otto moves into position to kind of be parallel to him. And they exchange a glance before Damon goes down on one knee and, and essentially pledges his loyalty uh, to, to the King all over again. Then later we see as, as Michael pointed out here in the, uh, in the garden that they're back to being friends again. Oh, mother loved you most. I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, I don't know argument about it. Mother loved you most. And Otto is watching uh, and then later, Otto, try, you know, getting the information about uh, Damon and uh, Rhaenyra and using that to go and speak to the king. And then having Viserys turn on Otto a little bit and say, you know, you're just not satisfied with what happened with Allison. You put her in my chamber. You made this happen. You want to directly, you want to destroy every other person that I've been connected to before Allison, And you want to put yourself in position. So, uh, and then, and then, in the end, we have the the confrontation between Damon and uh, and Viserys there, where uh, where Viserys is essentially kicking him literally while he's down, threatening his life uh, while he's lying there. And Damon at no point uh, tells him, "No, nothing happened," or, or "We might have kissed," or whatever. But nothing happened sexually. Uh, and uh, Viserys accuses him of want of wanting the throne himself. So. Clearly, we're seeing the paranoia develop within Viserys even more so. And it doesn't mean he's wrong, because both of them clearly want their access to the throne. And I wonder how these relationships got fleshed out a little bit more here and what we're leading to over the next few episodes. What did you think about how these three interacted throughout the uh, throughout the episode here? I mean, the the auto of it all, yeah. that's, that's an incredibly cool um, aspect of a master manipulator is they don't seem like they're a master manipulator. Yeah, like they, sure. they, they are approaching with, with guidance, with advice, with loyalty, like everything he's doing, it's for, it's for you. It's for the King. It's for the crown. It's for the kingdom. It's for the realm. And, but, but like from that first episode, like when we saw him kind of slip out, like say to Allison, like, Hey, why don't you go say hi to the King right. there? Uh, Reese Ifans is doing such an awesome job because even though as an audience, for the most part, we get that like, okay, you, you're not a good dude, but the way that he's playing it is just so subtle. And even when the, they, they get the report about Rhaenyra and Damon, even his expression as he's getting that report, it's a little pained. It almost seems like he's conflicted, even though this is exactly what he wants. Like he has been lobbed a slow pitch right over the plates and he's like, perfect. And even with Viserys, like thinking about the moment that he dismisses Otto is sort of at the, has, has been motivated by Rhaenyra. Yeah. Prior to that, Viserys isn't an idiot. Like he just kind of doesn't necessarily want to see a lot of stuff. So when Otto comes to tell him, which you get the sense that Otto, he didn't want to have to be the guy to deliver this message. He would be perfectly happy if the, uh, the, the other hand of the King were to step in and be like, Hey, by the way, your brother tried to have sex with your niece or your you take this one, Charlie, (laughs) you take this one. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Botto, Botto, come on over. But even then, like Viserys calls him out. He's like, is your, are you so ambitious? You want your blood on that throne that badly that it's like, okay, you want, you're the one to to come deliver this message. Like, let's, let's hear it all the way out. And he's like, don't make me say this. Like, no, no, no. You're the one who walked in. (laughs) So eventually said, did he say fornicating? Did, was it say? fornicating? I think he said fornicating. I think so. Cup, yeah. No, coupling. 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 It was coupling. I was like, I was waiting to be like, they was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just such a fascinating dynamic. I mean, the, uh, Otto is such a fascinating character to watch because he's always moving the pieces on the board. Like, yeah. he's constantly in motion. And then watching Viserys and uh, Damon together when they've kind of, you know, made up, 
and poor Rhaenyra, like it's it's suddenly it's the boys' club again, and she's right. not she's not wanted. And the whole like, oh, you know, mother always loved you the best. It like Damon is not good at this, <laughs> but but because he's Viserys's brother, Viserys is willing to excuse so much. And then when Viserys finally does call him call him on the carpet. Damon doesn't try, as you said, John, like he mm-hmm. doesn't try to wiggle his way out of it all. Like, look, we're Targaryens. Let me have her. This is, yeah, this is what we used to do. Yeah. Yep. I mean, fat again, gripping television. Yeah, agree. Yeah, that's the difference between this series and Game of Thrones, right? Like Game of Thrones is expansive all over the place and it had the soap opera elements. But this is very much a family. This is Dallas. Oh. This is a family soap opera. <laughs> they said that, yeah. I mean, I think they said that when the show came, when the show yeah. was coming out, they said that one of the big, like Game of Thrones is this very expansive. We're going to all the different houses and how they interact and the giant wars. And they were like, we're going straight soap opera with this. Like, this is, this is like, <laughs> I, they, me. Like, it's just like, it's straight up like pearl clutching each week. Uh, I honestly, I just feel bad for Viserys. In, in the really? best way, but like, okay. well, it's just he's so pathetic. He's just falling. It, he's literally falling apart. He, but yeah, but even but even yeah, even yeah, beyond the falling apart, like he just so desperately, this man was never meant to be a leader. I yeah. mean, it kind of underscores the point that like he was chosen to be king because he was a dude. But this is someone who has no business being a leader. Shannon, last week we were talking about you know like just the the pitifulness of him stabbing that stag. Oh, contrasted yeah. with Rhaenyra, like just attacking that wild boar. And then this week, the second Damon shows up after everything Damon did and is like, Hey, we're cool. You're the King. He's so happy that he like, to your point, he's like, Oh yeah, mom loved you. Oh, it's great. Yeah. This is my brother. Hey, have you guys met my brother? This is my brother. He just fought a war for us. Like he's just so happy to have him there. And is so pissed at Rhaenyra at the same time. And then by the end of the episode, when his brother has been taken away from him again, and like, he can't forgive that. He then goes, has this whole thing with Rhaenyra where he's confronting her, but Rhaenyra pulls the right, like, she's like, look, I'll do what you said, but you got to do this. You got to step up and act like a fucking King. And then he does it. Like this man is just, he is surrounded by people who are stronger willed and more capable than he is, including Otto. And he is just pinballed around from person to person to person as he struggles to try and figure out what to do because he's never meant to lead. Like that, that's really like what it is with him. And then, and then Otto, for his part, to Shannon's point, I mean, it's a masterclass in acting as little as possible. (laughs) Like he's doing so little, and by doing so little, he's doing so much. And then Otto has had Viserys's ear for his entire life because Viserys is so easily led. But now, between Damon and Rhaenyra both stepping things up, like Otto doesn't stand a chance. You know, like there's no like like Rhaenyra's like, all right, we're, we're done with this, yeah. and he gets called out. And I to Shannon's point, that man, that man's poker face is legend. Like even as the hand is being taken off of his shirt, yeah. He is still playing the game. Like we, like I, and I, and I really do wonder what's going to happen. He's already skiing as the thing is coming. This is a guy who, you know, as he is being let out and you are no longer the hand and this is going on, like he's, he's now unleashed without any responsibility to Viserys and where that's going to go with someone as scheming as he is, is going to be really, really interesting to see as well. So, and then Damon, like I, like, I think I said from day one, like, I just love that. Damon could be the ultimate villain or the ultimate hero or the ultimate patsy in this season. And I kind of don't know. Like he's such a fascinating character because I truly am unclear on his motivation, but in a good way, sometimes you watch a show and you're like, what does this character want? I just don't get it. I'm not invested. I'm super invested because I think they want us to not know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like what's happening here. The three fantastic actors uh, in this dance with each other of dance of power and changing status and changing relationships. It's so much fun to watch. And I think you're right. I think and I think uh, Damon says it in the episode. Well, it was never one of his best skills to be king. I don't know if it's this episode or last episode, but he says that. I think he's talking to Corliss when he says that, actually. And so uh, I guess the last episode. So he, this is absolutely correct. Uh, he, Damon's assessment 
of him is correct. But that's also what people who are not kings say about the king. And then when they become king, other people say that person isn't a good king or he's making all these mistakes or blah, blah, blah. That's the game always. You know, yeah. no one, every, like uh, they said, uh, the proud men don't like to look up. And that's the truth because when they look up, they must criticize because they think they should be the ones up there. Certainly Damon is one of those guys that thinks he should be up there, even though Damon would be the worst fucking king ever uh, on that throne. He would, pro- make, he would make decisions in a way Viserys wouldn't. I don't know that they would be the right decisions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He'd be decisive, <laughs> but in a very bad way. Uh, but I think Viserys, the thing is, with Viserys is caught between his love for his family. Because that's the thing that comes through, right? I mean, he could absolutely force Rhaenyra to do everything and be this and be that and do whatever. Um, and I think he is haunted by the decision to kill his wife, in essence. To doom his wife to death, to try to get a male heir. And it didn't work out. The male heir died and his wife died. So now he is stuck in this situation from that one decision. And there's a weakness here with his brother. There's a weakness here with his daughter that is love, possibly, or weakness. I don't know, because he's always, like when he was talking to that Lord, give me your unfettered opinion about what I should do. You're the fucking king. Make a decision. You're always asking everybody's opinions about shit. Make the decision. But then again, him choosing Alicent has caused the problems with Lord Corliss and Corliss essentially falling in with Damon and now setting up a new union that is what causes him to set up the union with uh, Rhaenyra at the end of this episode. So these decisions, he's in the decision-making process. He is not a good decision-maker, even though he's slow to make decisions. When he does make the decision, it's not that strong or it's not that good. So it's a double whammy of he takes forever and then when he does he chooses the wrong thing so it's frustrating to see him and to me the symbolism of the maggots crawling into his hand crawling onto his hand to to uh, kill the dead flesh and stop the rot to me he is essentially a living dead human already because no one respects him really and his decisions are made fun of and in essence he is not as powerful of a person um, as he should be. He allows Damon to lie to him or not tell him the full truth, and he allows Rhaenyra to lie to him. A strong king would, with just one look, we all have those fathers, with just one look, we would have to tell the truth. And so he doesn't have that power uh, for better or worse. And Well, uh, and sympathetic. It, yeah. it, there's something, and, you know, Vogel already used the term once, but the the um, kind of pathetic nature of him, like mm-hmm. when he and Alicent are copulating, and you see just how banged up he yeah, yeah. is. Elysian. Like there are just yeah, there are just you know sores all over yeah. this guy, and it is just it, it obviously you know that scene is a, you know, a little gross, um, but also you just feel your heart goes out to him. Like all this guy wants to do is just check out. Like that he is wants a drama-free kingdom reign, and that doesn't happen <laughs> with kings, man. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of our House of the Dragon review right after this. Um, all right, anything else that we have missed that we want to touch on? Anything other, any other story points that you guys want to hit on or think we should stress? I mean, we saw we, Lord Corliss is clearly going to come back and be now a thorn in the side of uh, King Viserys. What do you guys see happening here? What else do you want to discuss? Well, I mean, we just, I mean, like, so where do we think this is? All, like, Rhaenyra is obviously pregnant, right? And I don't know that she's going to drink that thing. Oh, she didn't right. Drink, Fair. She didn't drink the thing. Also, if she drinks that thing, yeah. she's basically saying, I did what y'all said I did. Right. Like, like, she's adamant that she did not do what everyone is saying she did, which is true. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't do it with she, Damon. <laughs> she didn't yeah, do right. it with Damon. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that she's got something going on in there. And I'm pretty sure she's not going to drink that thing. And so what happens... When she is pregnant, yeah, and where does it go? And then also, because like, so now she's gonna go marry um Lenore Valerian, Corliss's son, right? Son, yeah, yeah, and maybe a good match. I mean, the last time we saw that dude, he was flying a dragon around, laying waste to a bunch of people. It's Seems true. like a potential good match for Rhaenyra, but is he gonna think this is his baby? Is there going to be like a lot of drama? Are people going to think it's Damon's baby, but it's not Damon's baby? Right. Maybe I'm wrong and she drinks the thing, and this is a whole non-issue. But like, this is a this is this is soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Telenovela. 
uh, uh shannon anything we missed that you want to hit on and touch upon or talk about i mean i hope we <laughs> see that kid from house blackwood again because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. The moment that that douchebag pulled out a dagger and that kid pulled out a sword, I'm like, I really hope they don't kill a child. And like, <laughs> oh no, wait, the kid, the kid won, the kid won. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm I'm excited to get Corliss back because his presence in the first three episodes, uh, Steve Toussaint, I believe yeah. is the actor's name. He's he's terrific, and so watching him more uh, uh, steeped more in the drama. I think is going to be exciting. And also this is the first time we're going to get to see Otto on his heels and yeah. we get to see what he does. So, well, he has Allison in the kingdom there in the bed, in the King's bed chamber. So she has, he has his spies, whether they like, he might be even more dangerous. As Michael said, he might be even more dangerous now than he was when he was uh, there as hand of the King, um, which could be real. I mean, he could fall in with anybody now He's a free agent and that could be dangerous down the road for both Rhaenyra and Viserys and anybody who gets in their way, you know? That's I mean, look, yeah, we all know who he wants on the throne, obviously. Right. So he's going to do anything he can to make that happen. So he's obviously, you know, he's Rhaenyra's enemy. He's Damon's enemy. Yeah. Is Rhaenyra Damon's enemy? Is Damon Rhaenyra's enemy? I don't know at this point. It's going to be really interesting to see. I'm also, I feel like next week is going to be a banger because what, where do you go out that then you have to do a time jump where you're going to recast? Like, I kind of yeah. feel like, Next week is sort of almost to me what I'm hoping for is it's almost like a mini finale. Like like this first half of the season has been this part of the House of Dragon story and it has to kind of have a feeling of finality to it. Yeah. So then when we come back and we've jumped forward, we're like, okay, now this is that that's where that went. So uh I'm just having a great, you know, I mean, we talked about this uh before the first episode when we were yep. like how are we feeling about this and you know just how does it feel or do we want to go back to westeros how are we going to feel and i still anytime they mention the prince who was promised and anytime they get oh, to the, pro the prophecy it's getting better but i still get that like i seize up a little bit because it's like i'm having ptsd of season eight and i'm like <laughs> but but i think they've done such a compelling job here that like i'm just it's like i'm just relieved that I can enjoy Westeros. Like it just now I'm relieved that every Sunday when that when that uh theme song comes on, I'm happy to hear it. Yeah. I I I'm, I'm surprised they stayed with the same theme song. I thought they'd come up with something new for. They are. They are they're working hard to remind us <laughs> that we love Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, yeah, guys, remember bum bum ba -da -dun, dun, 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 remember and the little buildings they oh, grew look. out of the map you oh, loved it so map? much hey <laughs> oh we're going there oh we're going there nice uh yeah absolutely look i really enjoyed this episode to me it's it's fun to see the actors get some really juicy scenes to dive into and show their abilities and as you said michael uh you know um uh, reese eifen's doing uh, so little uh, so doing so much with so little it's right. great to see. Whereas, whereas Patty Considine, every damn emotion is just etched onto his face in every second that he's on the screen. I, so it's fun to see that. And then you've got Matt Smith with the little under my hair looks. And, and Millie Alcock <laughs> does a great job with her jaw. Her jaw does so much acting with Millie Alcock. It's great to see. Her eyes are fantastic as well. But the jaw tells you everything you need to know about what's happening in the scene. Oh, sorry. And how she feels about it. So I really enjoyed no, it. You make a really good point. I mean, I was going to, I was going to mention this before and I forgot when Shannon was talking about it, but yeah. that whole scene at the end with Otto and Viserys, when Otto goes in and Viserys is like five, five days, that's how long yeah. it took. And like that yeah. whole, whole run, speech. that whole yeah. big speech, you know, that's one of those moments. Like, look, we come to this show to see like the over the top nature of the violence and the sex and the dragons and the whole thing. But like when you get a scene like that, where two people are just like at the top of their game, as far as their work as actors and you watch them just talking to each other and you are just like, I can't yeah. stop watching. Like it is like, it was gripping. And I mean, I just like the acting, the acting across the board in the show has just been top notch, uh, and that's that's what's making it work. I mean, it is soap opera, it is melodrama, it is ridiculous over the top stuff, but it's ridiculous over the top over the top stuff in the hands of really talented actors, really talented directors, and they're like m making the most out of it a thousand percent. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of our House of the Dragon review right after this. 
Yeah, and I think this there have been criticisms. Oh, why would Viserys do that? Why would Viserys do that? He's a guy who doesn't want to be king. He became king, and he cannot deal with the pressures of being king. So the decisions he's making, I think, are great for the drama of the show. He's he's an incompetent king at times, a caring king, but also an incompetent king, Ooh. and that allows for these other very strong-willed characters to have a launching point to establish them, themselves within the drama of the show. So to me, that totally works. And it's not like you don't read Game of Thrones and see some pretty shitty fucking kings. So it's not something out of the realm of possibility. So to me, on so many levels, I think this is working uh, in a lot of ways. And they constructed this way and this king in this way so that they could have all these people around him doing their separate storylines and slamming up against him uh, when it's necessary. So I also, I really I also think, I mean, for me, and maybe maybe I'm off on this and maybe I'm not thinking something through and somebody in the comments can feel more than welcome to tell me, but it feels like Viserys as a king and as a person, his overall overriding desire is to make peace. Yes. Like he doesn't, like he, 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 no he, he refuses to go no to war. Yeah. Like he refuses to go to war to the fact that Corliss and Damon go and do it themselves. Like he will not go to war. He just like, oh, let's go send some diplomats. Let's do that. So as a king, from a diplomatic level, he's very adverse to fighting. But even within his personal relationships, he clearly knows what Otto's doing. He basically lays it out in the episode. And like right. he clearly was more aware than we thought he was, but he didn't want to say anything because Otto has been his hand and it was his dad's hand and it was a grandfather's hand. And with Rhaenyra, he's super frustrated with her, but he was like, "I'll okay, please get married and I'll let you choose who you want. With Damon, Damon comes back after spitting in his face and is like, hey, here's a crown. And he's like, oh, my brother's back. Like he just wants to make peace. And when you kind of take that as his overriding want yeah. as a person and as a ruler, I think most of his decisions, as poor as they might be, actually are pretty consistent. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. 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 He's right. not making any universally bad decisions yeah, because one of the that decision is helping someone. And it's yeah. the person who who made the best angle, who made the best argument for it. And that is the trademark of a weak king is he's getting yeah. pulled in all different directions successfully yeah 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 because i mean with with uh he had the chance to marry liana there uh for for lord corliss and renice and like kind of this is the smarter political move but he felt so awkward and weird about it because she's 12 and then when just do it man she's 12 there's a line i guess and then when uh otto suggests marrying rainiera to Aegon, he's like, the motherfucker is two years old otto and so, so clearly his instincts are there to like try to do the right thing. Um, so I agree with you, Mike. He is consistent. Whether they're good or bad decisions are certainly you could debate them. But there's a consistency from where he's making the decisions, right. a consistency of character, um, which allows for so much drama to exist uh, within this uh, framework of the show. And it's great to see. I absolutely love it. So, um, All right. Well, there you go. There's our spoiler review for episode four. King of the Narrow Sea here, which is what Damon was called or dubbed, or so he says he was called. Who knows if that's true? Uh, but that is the title of this episode. Hope you enjoyed our spoiler review of it here on the Geek Buddy. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies on Instagram at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Toon. If you would like to follow the recently returned back to health, <laughs> back to 100% John Roca, it is at the Roca Says. About 95, but yes, thank you, Shannon. Appreciate it. Mikey, please. Um, if you like geeky chat, incest, and dragons, we got what you came for. It's all right here on our House of Dragons spoiler reviews. Uh, and if you want us to keep doing them, here's some stuff that you can do for us. Hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check all the other content he's got. We've got spoiler reviews for other shows. We've got our Geek Buddies weekly show. John has about a thousand other shows. And now that he is back to life, he is going full steam ahead. Leave your comments below. What did we miss? What did we not think about? What did we get wrong? What do we not realize about the bigger scope of Game of Thrones? Let us know below. Let us know what you thought. If you're listening to us uh, via podcast, definitely take a minute and leave a comment. Give, give us some stars. Helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you 
you go. Absolutely. And big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor the Geek Buddies here on the Outlaw Nation. They've got 110 plus locations worldwide, 80 locations in California alone, the Bay Area, Los Angeles, Sacramento, and North San Diego available to you. They've got urgent care at all of their locations, virtual care, in-person care, primary care as well. COVID is still a thing. They have over, they've tested over 2 million people. Trust me, COVID is still a thing. And they can administer antivirals if qualified. They believe that healthcare providers should have an active part in supporting you. Let me tell you, it's essential. Having a doctor you can rely on, having advice so that you can get the advice that you need when you've got something like COVID or any other disease that might come around or any other infection or sickness or illness or any pain or anything, it's essential. So if you establish a relationship with a doctor there at Carbon Health, you've got one for life. So go and visit them at carbonhealth.com. Or if you're one of those, you know, kids nowadays, or you like your apps, download the app for Carbon Health so you can have a doc in your pocket. So for any healthcare needs that might pop up, as you're going on throughout your day. All right, thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back with an episode five review next week, but we've got our regular show coming up this week, as well as a She-Hulk review for that's starting to heat up for sure, because now all three of us are in the same boat. I have not seen episode five, so all three of us are going to be able to watch it and talk about it in real time, and we'll have some fun doing that. So look for all of that happening later on this week. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from The Geek. Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.